God is faithful, isn't he? He promises he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, he's there with us at all times, no matter what you're going through. Uh, He is faithful, and we can put our trust in him. This is Father's Day, and uh, our topic today is going to be dealing with love. It was interesting, as we came to Mother's Day, going through 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul was talking about how he addressed the people in in Thessalonica like a mom, like a dad. Uh, That was the attitude. That was his heart, and uh, then today as we come, the topic is on love, and uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're actually going to be looking at only the ninth and the 10th verses. Uh, Next week, we'll come and finish up this little section, uh, verses 11 and 12, but today it's 9 and 10. If you don't have a Bible, you'd like to follow along, raise your hand, and David will make sure that you have a Bible to follow along, Um, and uh, because we like it when people can... Be in touch with what the scripture is saying because that's important. Father's Day, though, is a, it's a day of uh, dads. <laughs> it's a day sometimes we look back on the past and when we met that person that we fell in love with and uh, all the different ones we had to check out before we found the right one. Uh, you know, I, re- I remember as a young man, high school, college, uh, dating, and, uh, you know, you'd, you'd say, I, I want to go on a date. I want to go out with some some beautiful young lady, and, and yet uh, your palms sweat a little bit, and you pick up the phone, and I heard such amazing excuses for why not. Uh, you know, they're, they're out there. They say, oh, no. <laughs> I can remember one. I called her up, and she said, I don't know you, but I'm not going out with you because my girlfriend's sister is coming, and I'd rather see her than you. Uh, that wasn't exactly how she put it, but it was close enough. And, uh, you know, blind dates. Uh, any of you guys ever have a blind date, go on a blind date? Oh, a few of you. Okay, yeah. I uh, I remember the blind dates. I, there was one where uh, I think I was about a senior in high school, and a friend wanted to... He just thought I should have a date. I mean, he went out, and I didn't go out very often, and he was going on the, all these dates, and... Uh, having a good time, and he wanted me to have a good time. And he says, Andy, I'm going to set you up. And I said, no, no, I don't need to be set up. Yeah, we need to get you a date. You need to go out on a date. And I said, no, I, I'm really not interested, right? No, we're going to do it. And so he came back a while later, and he said, I got you a date. I went, oh, no, who? I can't tell you. Who is it? And finally he told me it was his cousin Doris. I didn't know any Dorises. And uh, I thought, oh, man, this is bad. I said, what, what if I don't like her? What if, what if I walk up and I just look at her and go, no, this is not going to work. I'm not going to spend the night. He says, well, I'll tell you what I do. I've done that. And he says, I walk up to the door, and if she knocks, and, you know, it looks like we're going to have fun, and she's got a big smile, and it looks like it's going to be a great time, then we go out and have a date. But he said, if, if she doesn't, she walks to the door and you look at her and she just got this scowl or whatever. She doesn't look overly great. You just kind of go, oh, 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 asthma, asthma, I can't come. Oh, got an asthma attack. And he says it works for me every time. I go away, I'm happy, she's happy because it wasn't that he rejected her and so it was okay. You got asthma. So I said, okay. And I went that night and I knocked on the door and 
Doris answered, and really I was pleasantly surprised. This is going to be good. She looked great. I thought it's fantastic. Okay, we'll go on this date. She looked at me and she went, (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that never happened. But but it but it made for a good one. Uh, we're talking about love this morning. The topic is love, loving God, loving those around us. It talks about living in harmony in our relationship. And let me just read verses nine and ten from First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four, verses nine and ten. It says, "Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another." For indeed, you do practice it towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, <laughs> boy, to excel still more. You know, he's patting them on the back one moment and saying, you're doing a fantastic job, and this is great. And then he says, but we'd sure like to see you excel a little more. That uh, you never should be satisfied with how you're getting along and what's happening. You remember as we've gone through this passage from 1 Thessalonians uh, 4.1, It it talked about the idea that uh, we are to live a life that pleases God. When you think of all the things that God has done for you and been to your family and those around you, our lives, the walk, it says, should be such a walk that it pleases God, that it honors him. Listen to verse 1 again. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk, and this is just what should be true of you, how you should live and please God. So I believe the goal of every Christian, and then he goes on and he says you need to excel still more, although you're doing a good job of it already, but I believe the goal of every Christian should be that we please God, that how we live should be honoring unto him, and certainly a witness to others as they look at us, but because of how we live and what we do and the choices we make, You know my verse, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, even the mundane things should be done in order to please God. And that should be our desire, to please God, to honor him. Certainly, when you think of all he's done for us, that's only right. And then it goes on in verse 3 and 4, and it talks about the fact that we are to be separated from sin and separated unto him. We are to be holy in how we live. God said, be holy as I am holy in 1 Peter But it says in verse 3, so that no one would, oh, better get the right chapter. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. We said sanctification comes from that, that word hagios, which means to be holy, that you be separated. God is fully holy, separated from sin. And then it goes on and says, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. And there is to be a sexual purity in our lives when we think of that. And I just talked about the temptations the Thessalonians went through simply because of the culture they lived in. And they were to be separated from that immorality. And that's true for us in the same way. And we live in a culture that is very free and very open in terms of sexuality. And yet it says that we are to be pure. We are to be holy. We are to be committed to our spouse. That is to be an ongoing thing. And then it says in verse 9 and 10, we are to live in harmony with one another Now as to the love, oh, let me go down here and read verse 7 and 8 first. 
For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. There it is. We are to be sanctified. It is an ongoing process where we become like Jesus. So that he who rejects this is not rejecting man. It's not just some philosophical idea that you get in the church. But you're rejecting God who gives you his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is who gives you the power to live the kind of life God wants us to live. And so we look at that. The Bible says that we are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit indwells us. And uh, anything you do or anywhere you go, you take God with you. And that's a very serious thing when we begin to think about it. And so it, it, it really means that we need to just stop and think about what's going on. And then it goes on and talks about living harmoniously And in verse 9 it says, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. In other words, you don't need instruction from some other person or from me even, for you already yourselves are taught by God to love one another. That Greek word for love. You know, we... uh, we use that word love rather openly. We love everything. I love ice cream. Uh, I love watermelon. I love my family. I love my granddaughter, my daughter. Uh, I love my wife. I love my dog. I don't put you in the same category, dear. Uh, but we have this idea of like or love. It's there. And we love. Well, in the Greek, and I've mentioned this before, uh, but... Some of you may have forgotten, or maybe you don't know, maybe you didn't hear it. There are basically four words they use to translate as love. There's eros. Uh, It's sensual love. We get the word erotic from it. They put that on perfume. Uh, Erotic. And uh, sensuality. It's it's really what we were talking about a week ago when we were talking about purity. Sexual purity is uh, that love. And I will tell you if that's why people get married is because of the eros, the physical attraction, and a lot of people get married for that. They get involved more involved in the physical than they do the spiritual before they get married. And I'll tell you something, when all of a sudden you find out there's a whole lot more to this relationship than just the physical relationship, it wears out quick. And marriages struggle because of that. Eros. The second one is storge. Storge it's a familial love. It's it's the love of parents for children. It it also is an emotional based thing. But but you know I just love my kids. Uh, do you go on Facebook and look at all those moms with their little kids? They show you all the pictures of their kids. My kids are so beautiful. Face only a mother could love. You know it's kind of that kind of thing. Parents love their children. They love one another. That's what Storge is about. And it's a good love. It's a positive love. It's not one that we find in the Bible. The other one, the third one is philia, or phileo is the Greek verb. And it's a a deep affection. Maybe it's with a good friendship. Yeah, just love those people. Uh, it, it can be a husband for a wife, the, the love that is there. There's that affection that's there. Uh, a person may say, I love my church. I just love being with the people in my church. And, and there's that affection. There's that emotion. It's a natural thing. God created it in us. And then the fourth type of love is the one we hear about so often, and that has to do with 
agapao or agape, and uh, it's kind of love that God had. You know, when it talks about God's love, that's what it's talking about. And it's not based on emotion as much as a will. It's intentional. I determined that I'm going to do that which is best for you. God loves us. It was this love of God that sent Jesus to the cross for us. God's love for us is so important. John 3.16, you know that verse, for God so loved us. The world. And I've said it before, you can put your name in there and you can say, God so loved Andy that he sent his only begotten son to die for me. That's a deep love, isn't it? But it was an act of the will. It wasn't because I deserved it. In fact, in, in Romans 5 8, we look at that verse and it says, But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, <laughs> Christ died for us. It wasn't because I was so lovely or so perfect that Christ went to the cross. It was a decision on the will of God. He made that choice. And you know, he made it way before the foundation of the world. In John chapter 4, 1 John 4, verse 10, it says, um, skipping all around verse 10, there's, and in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, And he sent his son to be the propitiation, the substitute for our sins. You go down to verses 19 and 20. It says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and he hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In other words, that love that I have for God is going to work right out to my relationship with you. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. So first God loved me, I loved God, then I love others. God desires our love. God desires our relationship. A young man went into a restaurant. He had a reservation for him at his date. He went and the waiter Put him at this little table for two. It was a beautiful little table. And the man sat down. And he said, the waiter said, do you want to order? He says, no, not now. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I have a date coming, but could I have some coffee? And so the waiter brought him some coffee. It was probably about 7 o'clock in the evening. And he took his cup and he drank. And then he got another cup. The waiter came by. Can, can you want to order now? It was about a half an hour. No, no, she'll come. Time went by. About 9.30, he got up ready to leave. He asked the waiter for the check. He paid for the coffee. He left a tip. On the way out, he made a reservation for the next night for two. The lady said, are you sure? You've you've been here about three or four times this week already. You've been here a number of times before that, and, and she's never shown up. Why do you do this? He said, because I love her. Because I care about her. Because she's important to me. She'll come. She'll come. That night, Cassie got home late. She was tired. She'd been out with her friends. She, oh, she had such a good time. They had such a wonderful time. And 
She started to set her alarm as she was getting ready for bed, and she looked and it said, 7 o'clock, appointment, date. What was that? 7 o'clock, what was that about? Oh, I was going to meet with Jesus. I was going to pray. Well, we had a good time. Jesus will understand. Jesus will forgive me. And it's too late now, and I'm tired. One way we display love to the Lord is just to spend time with him. And yet so often we're too busy. We have too much going on to just make that appointment, to keep the date. Love. We love God because God first loved us. He gave his son for us, and we are to love him in return. Well, how do these four words relate to our passage? Well, two of them are found here. The first two we don't find in the Bible, but as we go down to verse 9, it says, as to the love of the brethren. You know that love of the brethren, the word there is actually Philadelphia in the Greek. Uh, we have a city named Philadelphia. It's a city of brotherly love, and that's, that's the exact translation here. It's, it's love for the brother. I, I love the church. I love the people in the church. There's a warm emotional feeling. I love to be with them. Joy is being together. It, it, it translates into meeting one another's needs. It translates into when somebody's down and they're sick, that we're there for them, that we help them, that we come alongside, that we minister to whatever those needs are. That demonstrates that love. This is an emotional love. It, it flows out of our lives. But Jesus also taught us another love. It goes on here. It says, you now as to the Philadelphia, the phileo, the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught, you're instructed by God to agape. It's a different word. To love one another, to be committed to the needs of one another. Do you know Jesus made a statement? He says, a new commandment I give you, and we've looked at it before, New commandment I give you that you love one another. It says, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. That's that, that agape, that commitment. It's an act of the will. Back in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within your hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to you. It basically says, as Christians, we're to love one another. We're to desire the best for one another. It's interesting as you look at those two words. Back in the book of Titus, in the second chapter, it uses that word philia. And in the second chapter, talks about the relationship between older women and younger women. And it says, uh, I need to get to Titus instead of Timothy. Titus 2, beginning in verse 3, it says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they will encourage the younger women to phileo, they'll have that emotion, that compassion, that care for their husbands and their children. 
They're to be encouraged to have that kind of a love. They're to be taught because a lot of times they just don't understand it. They don't get it. And so we are to love. But this is part of who we are. When we go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it just talks about the fact that this agape type of love is, is part of our character because of the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. It should be part of our nature to love each other, care about each other, to minister to one another. You know, you look at the animal kingdom, and, and, and they have certain things built into their character. Uh, if you look at fish, I, I've got some fish over in my uh, fish tank over there. But when they're little babies, they come out of that egg. Or if they're guppies, they come out alive. And immediately they know how to swim because that's in their nature. That's in their character. That's the way God created them. There's no problem. They don't sit there and say, Mom, teach me how to swim. I'm drowning. They immediately know how. Birds are created with wings, and they know how to fly. It is part of their nature. I looked out the other day, and I saw this brown bird about that big on, on the fence by my neighbors. And my neighbors said, what is that? What kind of bird is that? It looked like a chicken almost. And then it hopped down, and I went out, and I looked over the fence, and there was a mama turkey with her ten little little ones but they were just big enough so that they already had lost their down and they now had feathers and they could fly up over that fence. And it was just natural. Joe Nice came to me the other day about a week ago and he says, Andy, come out here. Do you have binoculars? And I didn't. And we went out and there soaring up above the church was a, a golden eagle. And it's just amazing to watch. It was a huge bird and it was catching the wind funnels and it was going higher and higher and higher. And it didn't have to flap its wings, but you want to know something? It knew how. As Christians, part of our nature is to love. And it should be a natural thing for us. It should be just natural that we reach out to one another in love, that we care in love, that there is this relationship. Second Peter chapter 1 Verse 4, Second Peter 1, 4, it says, To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. We have that inheritance. And then he goes on here in, in our passage this morning, and he says we're to superabound. I like this. For indeed, you do practice it. You already show love to the brethren. That's already known who are in Macedonia. But we urge you. We exhort you, brethren, to excel still more. To do even more. How many of you watched the, the last Warriors game the other night? Watching the tournament. Okay, we're picking up. There's a few of you. This is a good thing. I'm proud of you. Uh, you know, it started out with the series for the championships, and, and the Warriors began to play Houston, and they were good. Everybody thought they're going to win, and then Durant went down, and he was out, and he had a problem with his lower calf. Probably was worse than that. It was probably down in the Achilles tendon already, but 
He went out and people said, we'll never win. And yet the Warriors went on and they won. And they excelled still more. The, the, the guys that were all-stars there stepped up. Curry stepped up. Clay Thompson stepped up. Green stepped up. And they played and they won. And then they took the Blazers on. They're never going to get through the Blazers. And they won because they excelled. And they came into the last series against Toronto. And everybody was saying, Grant's going to come back. He'll, he'll win it for us. <laughs> And they got through game four. They were behind three games to one. Game five, Durant was coming back. This is going to make it. He came back, and in the second quarter, he blew out his Achilles tendon, and he was out. And people just kind of, oh, going to lose. But you want to know something? Clay and Steph and the others stepped up, and they won. They excelled still more, even though people didn't think they would. And they came into the sixth game, and they were playing, and into the third quarter, and Clay went up for a stuff. He was going to stuff the ball, and he put it in, and he came down awkwardly on his knee, and he blew out the ACL. I watched Steph Curry, he threw the ball down, and he walked clear to the other end of the court, and he sat down, and you felt the wind just go out of everyone because they wouldn't win now. How could they win against this Toronto team? And they came back, and with seconds to go, Steph had a three-point shot that would have won the game, and it rimmed in and out. But I want to tell you something. They excelled still more. They gave it their everything. You don't always win. You don't always come out on top. But God tells us in terms of our love for one another, we are to excel still more. We're to give it our all. When we do that, we have unity within the body. We aren't fighting back and forth. The Bible says, talked, I was reading an article on how people aren't coming to church so much anymore. They're looking on the web or TV, and we have a better preacher on TV. We have whatever. But there's so much more to church than that. In Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, it says, let us not... Forsake our assembling together is the habit of some who are just staying home. But come together to encourage each other. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're to be an encouragement to each other. We are to lift one another up. We are to support one another. That's, that's what Paul is saying here. In fact, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the fact that we are to be unified uh, through... <laughs> Phileo, and through agape, through love for one another. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, Ephesians 4.1, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That was the first verse in 1 Thessalonians 4. It was that idea of, of, of walking in a life that honored God for all humility, with all humility and gentleness, it says, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, in agapao, in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are to be unified. We are to be one. So as Christians, we are to live wholesome, holy lives separated unto God. We are to display love for one another just because God loved us first. I like what one person said. He said, a bell's not a bell till it's rung or until you ring it. 
A song's not a song until you sing it. Love in your heart is not put there to stay. Love is not love until you give it away. Love is to be given out. Abraham Lincoln was in the midst of the Civil War. He was president. And he would often slip away to a little Presbyterian church there in Washington, D.C. He'd, he'd sit off to the side by the pastor's office so no one would see him. But he needed solace. He needed encouragement. He was down. The war was waging. The, torn, the, the nation was torn in pieces. His son had just died. And he needed to be encouraged. He needed to be lifted up. And he took off his stovepipe pipe had and he put it to the side his aide was there with him and they listened to the pastor as he preached and when they were through they got up to go Lincoln picking up his coat and his hat and putting it on and the aide said Mr. President what did you think of the message and the president said well it was carefully thought out and it was eloquently delivered and the aide said to Lincoln, oh, then it was a great success. <laughs> and Lincoln looked at him and he said, no, it was a big failure. It was a huge failure. The aide said he failed? Why? How? It was eloquent. He studied. He, he gave us the word. He, he, he was prepared. What was the matter? And Lincoln said it was a failure because he did not ask of us Anything great. And you can walk out of this message this morning and it won't change your life at all if it doesn't ask anything great of you. If the pastor in his message, me, and the Holy Spirit does not touch your heart and bring about a transition, it's not a great message. What will you do to display God's love in the body of the church? What will you do to make a difference in your church? Write it down. This is what I'll do today. This is what's going to take place. Let me give you some ideas. Don't stand Jesus up. Don't leave him sitting in the restaurant. Meet with him daily for prayer. Make it your commitment to spend time with God. When you come in here on Sunday mornings, greet two people every Sunday. Make it your commitment to greet two people every Sunday because this will make a change in our life, in the life of our church. Number one, you greet a friend. You tell them, it's so good to see you in church this morning. I, I just called you yesterday, but oh, it's so good to see you again. And I called you the day before and the day before that. You know, I, I, uh, I watch sometimes when we have visitors and I ask people to greet. And you immediately go to the ones that you know. So good to see you. The other one I want you to greet is somebody you don't know. And there are mornings... When I'm hurt, 
Because I look out and I watch visitors or people that have been here two or three times or some who don't know so many people, and it's like everybody leaves them there and goes this direction. And they're here. And they just kind of stand there. And in time, people come and shake their hands. But shouldn't be that, that be the first person you go to? To show that love. To show the heart of the body of Christ. You're going to see your friends later, but you may not see them. Get their names. Call them this week. Then I'll give you another one. Call two people each day or text them. In the next five days, do that. Make it a pattern. Make it a, a priority. One that you normally call and one you do not call. Maybe it's somebody that's housebound. Maybe it's somebody that you haven't seen lately. We have people in this church that I haven't seen for weeks. Pastor can call them, and you know what? I've had people say, well, that's the pastor's job. But it's the church to show that love. I'm going to ask you to do something great. And that's not that hard. But to step beyond the normal place, beyond the place that is easy, and say, how can I encourage? Don't forsake your assembling together, but come together to encourage one another. How do I do that? We can make you great theologians, but that will not make you lovers in Jesus Christ. God called us to be lovers. God called us to display that love with one another. You know, this week I, I was so encouraged. Darlene said, do you feel good? I said, yeah. It was Thursday, I believe. The, uh, or probably it was about Tuesday. Uh, the weed abatement called us because the weeds were growing up out here. And uh, they said, uh, you got weeds? And I said, I know. You sent us a courtesy letter earlier, and we got everything down, and then it rained. And they all came back up, and at the house over there, they were about this high. And <sighs> I said, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll get them. He said, oh, that's fine. No problem. He says, I'll work with you. You don't get them down by the 21st. Call me. It cost us 100 bucks then and 200 bucks the next week and go up steadily. And uh, I said, we'll get them. And he said, okay. He said, by the way, do you have a ministry that helps people that maybe can't take care of their yard? And I said, well, we don't have a specific one, but it, let, let me know. What is the issue? He says, we have an older couple that, that really can't get ready out and take care of their yard right now, and it is overgrown. And the city's going to have to find them if they don't get it taken care of and they don't have the money. Do you have a, a ministry that could go in and clean up their yard? And I said, we'll take care of it. I got on the phone. I called five individuals, and every one of them said, we'll be there. I was so happy. You that went, thank you, because I'll tell you what. You didn't simply encourage the people whose yard we cleaned up. You encouraged me. Everyone showed there. Two of them brought their families. Their kids worked, and we cleaned that place up. The man was out there, and he kept coming and shaking my hand. I, I got work and thanking us. And so I want you to know today, you thought, 
Well, we cleaned up that house. That was good. You know what? One of those families came and took care of the house right after that, that evening. All of it. And I went home, and Darlene said, you encouraged? And I said, yeah. I really am. Because people stepped up. And they showed the love of Jesus Christ. And I thank you because it's easy to be discouraged. But when people step out to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ, it's total encouragement. And so I want to thank you today. And I'm encouraged. You know, Paul said, I don't have to tell you to love because you're already doing it. (laughs) But excel still more. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, doesn't do any good. Your, Your spirit empowers the message. I know that. It's not what I share. It's what your spirit does in our hearts. It's your word that we preach. It comes from the Bible. And I'm so thankful for that. But, Father, I'm so thankful for this church and the love they do show. The people that are stepping up to help with Vacation Bible School, the people that help with our children's ministry next door every Sunday morning, uh, those who work with our youth, uh, other ministries, the ladies that show up to set up for Father's Day brunch and Mother's Day and other activities we have. Thank you, Father. They are an encouragement to me. And they display your love. And Father, I thank you. And might we do it still more. And might you be glorified through us. So I thank you this morning. Abraham Lincoln said, it was a great message in terms of the delivery and the preparation. But it didn't call for anything great. You call us to greatness, Father. In living for you. Thank you. And we commit our lives and our church to you for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.